But first thing first, Aika, how are you? I'm I'm really good. I'm doing really well. Everything is going it's it's going fantastic. It's going really, really, really fantastic. Okay, that's awesome so. to hear. Now obviously this bright and black uh project is very interesting. Uh, what were your thoughts when you fir- were first asked to to contribute to this whole project? Um yeah, my first thought was like, oh, this this is this sounds really cool. And actually, uh, on the very earliest, because Jakob uh, started to talk to me, I don't know how many years ago, maybe four okay. years, even five years ago, that he has this idea, and uh, it was how to do it wasn't clear at that at start. There was uh, thoughts of, of of different soloists, and kind of uh, Jakob involved me in the very early stage. It's when he was still kind of searching for the form of it, and uh, and I didn't even know what what will be my role. So I was like, okay, I will help you whatever I can, and and um, because Jakob uh, he he knows that I have uh, a strong history and knowledge about uh, orchestra world and classical world, you know how to operate there and sure. and all that stuff. So we started to do it together and. Jakob has been all the time the primus motor of of the whole thing, and I've been just I've been taking the passenger seat role in a way that okay, or map reader or whatever, you know, like I let him <laughs> drive, and I'm like kind of like time to time giving him take uh, a left, take a right, <laughs> yeah, a little bit like uh, yeah, just doing helping uh, uh, him to explore in all possible ways, and and um, it's it, it's it's been very interesting. It's it's been very interesting. Sometimes there's been longer periods of time that we haven't done anything together, and then mm. then there's been periods that we've been working more intense. Like like for example, we started by searching for the sound that how we want the orchestra sound like. So we were working a lot of different different trying to find right kind of sample libraries so we can actually uh, generate the vision sound wise. By ourselves, without orchestra, to explore okay, what kind of instrumentation and what kind of characteristics on the on different uh, instruments we want to have, and uh, and then many of the music that came that from from different writers, the songs were not fully complete in a way. Mm-hmm. They were kind of were songs, but there was still a lot of elements missing. Sometimes there were all the top lines were missing, and I I then participated on. On writing those top lines, sometimes I rearrange the songs and um, and um, always threw my ideas to Jakob, and then it's like okay, but you decide, you know. I always <laughs> let left the decision making to Jakob because he was so deep in inside the project. So I I just always threw my perspective in, and he then evaluated um, what he agrees and what he disagrees with. Then <laughs> so it, it it it's been really cool cool project very free breathing that there has mm. not been there have never been a, a deadline okay in a way that Jakob always said that this will be ready when it will be ready and so um it's very interesting to work on something like that that or at least for me because in apocalyptic world it's 
we have a plan. We have a plan sure. structure. Okay, we should get the album done in this and this time, and and then because then we need to book the tours, and the whole structure goes in a different way. But this was very free from all outer influences. So it was really focusing on okay, how this thing should turn out, and and the coolest part was that we didn't know, even Jakob didn't know clearly that how it needs to be. I, I'm sure he had a vision from the very beginning, what it should be. But then it was all the time evolving sure. once we learned more and figured out more things. That So it was constant, um, constant learning process. Yeah, because the, really I can cool. imagine from your perspective, I mean, you, as you mentioned, you have experience with uh, the classical world and obviously metal and, and kind of marrying those two worlds a bit. But this is this is a different animal, I suppose. You have a, a full orchestra, all kinds of instruments and, and musicians that you don't usually have access to. So what for you was kind of in terms of composing and arranging, what were the challenges and what uh, what were the surprises? <clears throat> I think one big challenge, of course, it's the it's the rhythmical part okay. because classical music and classical orchestra is not usually treated. Uh, rhythmically the same way as we treat black metal band mm. and, and and a lot of metal music's power comes actually from drums and when the drummer is one person kind of creating the whole complexity of the rhythmical part it's it's a different kind of thing to handle than when you use those uh, orchestra percussions and there are several players. So there are certain limitations that you can't, for example, put two different persons, one plays kick and second one plays a snare and then, you, you know, like fast beats. It's super sure. difficult, but when you do it alone, it's easy. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, as a drummer, so um, that kind of things. And then um, to have this kind of harsh power and energy that is on 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 the normal metal sound like with the distorted guitars like for example there was some some songs that we got the original song was played with like having four different distorted mm. guitars like this fucking wall of of guitar sound and then we take the sound out and we just take the music itself and then figure out okay how this the spirit of the music will be when it's an orchestra sound, um, so it, it was. It was a lot of exploring and a lot of surprises. Like I think, months of misfortunes, for example, that turned into totally different kind of uh, music. Even the music itself is the same that was on the guitar version, right. distorted guitar version, but kind of the feel it became this cinematic, very, um, very alive in a different way. So I, yeah. Also, it was challenging to get the orchestra to play, okay, tight, tight enough. Tight, yeah. Because the, in in metal world, we are we are used to that that it's so tight, mm. it, especially with, with with pick up picking. You know, with plectra, you pick up the guitar. The yeah. attack is very clear, uh, but most of the orchestra instruments, the the attack is not so clear. And if you have ten violins or or ten cellos playing the same stuff, so it gets a little bit more not muddy, but uh, you know the definition uh, is very different. That's so. interesting because I um, 
I can't remember which song it was. Uh, it might have been Bloodgrind, but I'm uh, no. It, it was I think the opening song, uh, Nidhug. Um, there are very, these very sharp sounds where it goes kind of kind of like that uh, Hitchcock uh, movie, no, kind of these the sharp sounds. So is it difficult then to get the orchestra to to make that sound in a sense? In a way, yes, but also this this orchestra is very special. That mm. uh, they are very experienced on on the, making this special project, and uh, and that's why this orchestra was picked to to be the one to to make this project to happen. That the, the spirit of the young musicians, it's like they they are very open to try a new way. Mm. of doing things and uh, and they are not stuck on the tradition too much um so i personally i wasn't there at the orchestra rehearsal uh, or the okay. recording because i was somewhere on tour of course uh myself <laughs> so i don't know exactly how how the recording process there went and you know what kind of challenges they had there you mentioned the orchestra and i, I believe uh... <clears throat> Christian uh, Yarvi, who was kind of the uh, conductor of the orchestra, that from what I read, he's kind of like a, he's not like a normal composer or a normal uh, uh, conductor. Composer, yeah. A conductor, sorry, yeah. yeah. So, so I read the, the orchestra likes to play without uh, sheet music and those kind of things, very free. And and so, so, how did he get involved, or were you part of that, getting him involved? I, I think Jakob was uh, was very clear that it should be Christian. I don't remember uh, had they met somewhere. I know Christian from because he was the conductor for Wagner Reloaded when we did uh, oh, okay. uh, Wagner Reloaded in uh, with Apocalyptica. So Christian was the com conductor of that. He he used to be uh, the main conductor of MDR Orchestra okay. in Leipzig that time. So so I knew him and he, he he's a cool guy and he's perspective to music is very open and uh, and um, absolutely the right conductor for this project because he he's all about exploring new ways to present orchestra music and uh, and to create new modern orchestra music that has has the connection to classical but it's still still more about creating new than playing the old and sure. uh, that that's it's very fascinating and the whole whole approach to try to make the orchestra more like a living organism mm -hmm. like they can those players they they can walk on stage you know they can mm -hmm. change their position and location so it's it's this um very explorative uh free flow thing and i i think therefore i i'm super excited to get the live <laughs> thing going in a couple of weeks to 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 experience how how it actually will be in the live setting. Very have, have you practiced with the orchestra already? Because you you are going to be the soloist, so you're going to be kind of up front and uh, playing a lot of these things. Have you practiced already with them? No, I haven't. We will actually okay. have just four days of rehearsals before the first concert in Bali. Okay. Uh, so so I'm excited. I'm a little bit terrified because they are also <laughs> that. that you know my my role my part, role in apocalyptica is i'm the core of the riffs you know that's what i play and and playing riffs it's closer to shoveling than playing classical cello uh so <laughs> I'm, and and then the texture when i'm playing on bright and black it's actually closer to the no, tradition 
traditional classical cello playing in a way. So I'm a little bit terrified being here on tour and having no time to practice. But so it's going to be uh, uh, intensive push for me when I get home. <laughs> It'll be interesting. <laughs> to get, get, get ready. Yeah. But that was also but... in the studio, you know, being in studio, it was uh, it, it was challenging because I, I we wrote a lot of my parts in the studio. You know, they okay. were basic ideas, but then we modified them and uh, and and then I had to perform them right away, you know, like figuring out, okay, maybe I should play this and okay, then perform it, you know. <laughs> and no no time to and no time to practice really. So so um it's gonna be interesting, but I'm I'm very excited to to get to the rehearsals and to feel the sure. sound of the orchestra, you know, for in in live situation. So it's it's nice that I kind of, I'm kind of the soloist of the thing, but then not in the traditional uh, mm. way. It's nothing like playing a cello concerto. So I feel like I'm I'm still more like a part of the orchestra. It's it's definitely about the orchestra. It's not about me. It's not sure. about the soloist. You know, I'm just part of it. But the main focus is in the orchestra and the the the, the sound that the orchestra generates. And I'm just there a little bridge between the metal sound and and the classical orchestra sound you know but for instance uh i believe collateral damage is a piece that you kind of written uh and yeah. uh, arranged and everything so so knowing that 65 people will play that how do you kind of approach something like that um <clears throat> is it very free when you when you know kind of this is going to be played by an orchestra or is it kind of limiting in a way I think it was very free, and uh, and I wrote there some things that I wasn't quite sure that this orchestra can manage them. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there are some pretty difficult aspects in in that song, but I I kind of approach it more like in a way it's the same way that I would do for Apocalyptica okay. because for Apocalyptica many times also I write music like I just write the music and then we figure out how we can play it so it's mm. not uh, I'm not letting even that limit so I write for for us I write a lot of stuff that it might feel that it's impossible to play like that but then we just play it like that you know so nothing is impossible in a way so <laughs> I the approach was there uh, for, for the for the collateral damage as well. But I love the fact that I, I would end up writing process that all the time that I used those sample libraries. So I got the feel of that, okay, this should be oboe. Mm -hmm. This should be this sound and, you know, playing with the different characteristics of orchestra. Of course, it it was making it very rich, the process of writing it. It was like, oh yeah, this is actually cool. and. Sometimes I fell in love with some minor parts that okay. people don't understand, and they are most meaningful for me. Like, for example, in the uh, going to the very end where the violins are playing this, you know, this certain parts of the violin section, which is not the main melody, but that's for me. That's the heartfelt part. It mm -hmm. it kind of that that kind of completes the thing. So there was space to have more elements on top of each other. That sure. would be like in the apocalyptic world when we play the same instruments. We always have a lot of layers, but, but I think now it felt like it's almost unlimited in orchestra, that there are so many instruments in so many different registers. Mm. Uh, so I can actually layer more and more things on top of each other. So that was really cool. <laughs>
Yeah, well, what I liked about the song is all the, it, it really takes you on a journey. You go through all these different emotions and it's very dynamic. Some parts are very, very slow and, and emotional and the other parts are a little bit harsher and those kind of things. So what, what is, I don't know if, when you post, do you think in terms of a narrative or a story or is it just the music? For me, it's, it's just the music. It's just okay. where the music wants to go. Okay. It's, it's, um. I think writing music is a lot about it's not about me and my ego it's actually more like trying to be out of the way where the mm. music wants to go you know I don't know where the music comes from but but the more I'm able to be out of its way and just go with the flow it 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 it, it becomes it turns out better it I'm not forcing it to uh, some kind of structure or or form but because then it it gets this flow to me that I'm like okay this it's more about the intensity how the intensity goes and travels and then I just start to feel that okay now it's time actually to breathe mm. because we go like <laughs> we are like taking the maximum out you know going crazy and then there has to be a balance on 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 the breath um so I don't know I for me it's more like music. It's it's just that how the music wants to flow, and I think the music has its own will where it wants mm. to flow, and and I think the best skill as the songwriter is is to actually let that guide you. It's like like how Bob Dylan said. I saw just recently some interview that he said that he had no idea where those fucking lines came from. You know his old uh, legendary songs, like those amazing songs that he, he just says himself. He, he doesn't know where they came. Just came, you know. So that means that he is kind of he's been out of the way, and <laughs> the things have just come out. And it it could be so that too often we we start to control the creative process too much, mm. based on our expectations and. Uh, and that kind of stuff. And and what I try to do when I write music, I try to try not to force it too much. And then you can fine-tune it. You can add things, but you know, like to get the, the basic flow. So the collateral is kind of this kind of mini symphony in its own <laughs> of its own kind of thing that it has those different worlds and stuff. Yeah, because the the reason I ask is because uh when when it comes to classical music or not classical music per se, but kind of orchestral music, especially when you put kind of a, a metal theme to it in a way, it sounds very uh, cinematic. You you mentioned the word earlier as well, it's, so it yeah. becomes this very epic kind of these these very powerful, full, yeah, epic uh, pieces. So, are you aware kind of of uh, what? I don't know how I should phrase this, but what kind of emotion are you trying to convey or, or, or do you want people to have when they listen to this album or to, when they come to a show? I think the best thing that the music can do is like, like any art that kind of lifts you up into a different dimension that it's basically... It can create you a space where you forget yourself. You know, you forget your worries and you 
stress mm. and whatsoever that it actually captures. It's like a great movie mm. or or any kind of art that at its best it uplifts you into a, into a space where where um, the present moment is the only thing that matters. And uh, that is something that for listener triggers the imagination and and mm, sure. i think that every listener experience is unique all of us instrumental music has the great power and possibility in that terms that there is no explanation for the music so there is no guideline that you need to see what you should think when you listen to it you actually get the free space to feel whatever emotions or whatever thoughts comes mm. up to your mind because you're focusing on the music so I think that's that's kind of the power of the music that it it uh it creates you a space to be a little bit separate from the reality, be living in the moment, not worrying from the about the past or the future. And um, that's where the magic happens. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, well, very quickly then, for instance, I really like Midnight Sun. What were the thoughts when you when you first played or heard Midnight Sun? Uh, what were the thoughts that were coming up with that one? Um, when I got the first version from uh, uh, what Christian had done, I felt um, I felt that okay, I want to add a little bit little pain there or a little bit little bit of darkness in there and so i i i changed that i made a suggestion to change some chords and and also okay. the what i do in my part i play a little bit dissonance or like like not the sweetest things i i wanted to have a little little pain is probably not the right word but you know like something that it Kind of um, yeah, deepens the emotional feel sure. a little bit, but it's it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. It's kind of this kind of sort of meditation in a way that it's based on very simple things that are very captivating, and it's brave enough to repeat those to mm. kind of not being in a rush to that all the time something needs to happen kind of thing. Um, so I, I really love the mood and the feel of the song. Yeah, to me it was very hypnotic almost, and uh, there's this uh, a certain melancholy, perhaps at least that's what I heard in uh, in it. Um, yeah, I think I, I, you know I think the hypnotic thing that it's like a Christian who, who wrote the music, he he loves this kind of shaman drums and this kind mm. of uh, the, this kind of that kind of approach, and uh, I. And on top of that, I wanted to have this little more melancholic twist there that makes it a little bit more metal in a way that sure. kind of change, changes the intensity into into. Okay, I, I personally i I like music which is in minor, and okay. uh, and uh, I find that healing. You know, that's what Pride and Black is about to me. It's like it's. It's to show that there is uh, always brightness in black, in darkness, brightness in darkness, because that's what metal is about. Sure. People, some people who don't understand metal, they think that that metal music is so dark and it's so depressing. No, uh, for most metal fans, it's actually most healing, and it's 
this dark music is very empowering in a positive sure. way that actually creates the positive emotions and um and uh, that, that's what i'm always searching uh, on music music that there is this kind of there's no you know light without darkness you need to yeah, have, uh, definitely. but what i find interesting then and this is kind of the last question but i heard you say on uh, on an instagram post you were talking about kind of how classical music is perceived and how metal is perceived by kind of the the, the big, uh, general public and some people seem to elevate classical to here and then metal is down here like a high art and low art that kind of <clears throat> discussion and then for you it's it's uh, can i assume all music is on the same level for you yeah but when it comes to music styles absolutely yes but of, of course there it's uh, a different level of music sure there's different performances yeah uh, some so, some of the yeah some some of the music is is a little bit more uh, vague and some of it's deeper and some some music is more intellect or some music is is deeper in the emotions but that happens in every musical genre sure. um it's like poetry it's you know poetry there is poetry that resonates with you better than other ones and i think sure. that's the same thing with the music and it's it's absolutely absolutely borderless in way in, in my world that i don't value what music style is somehow higher culture or more important or whatsoever i think it's all about emotion it's music is transferring uh, emotions and mm -hmm. uh, and you can find uh, emotions what you feel you need from all types of music sure so i i'm a metal fan but i think 80 percent of metal is crap <laughs> fair enough yeah you know it's um or it at least doesn't talk to me because i feel sure. it's too vague it's it's too it doesn't have a, i i for example for me metal is is more attitude than a music style okay it's attitude that metal music something to feel like it's metal to me needs to have this attitude and um this certain intensity level like that's why i said always that like massive attack is more metal mm. than most of the metal bands yeah makes sense they have <laughs> they, like you know angel it's it's dark as fuck you know and it has this like ah, ah, feeling and I, I think most of metal bands, they don't reach that feeling, as mm. even they try hard. So being loud and having a lot of distortion or being fast or shouting, it doesn't make it really metal in my in my personal yeah, opinion. Yeah, sure. But I, I think you understand what I mean, that it's, yeah, it's more about the intensity. It's like that it's, it's metal needs to be exciting. It needs to be exciting and it can be exciting in so many different ways, but it's the energy it's the energy of the music that's that's what matters and i i think even electronic bands like rexop mm. some of their stuff is more metal i find it more like captivating and exciting or you know so yeah it, it captures that identity like you say yeah exactly it speaks to me it speaks to me it goes deep in me because there is something that really it's like oh, oh i feel it you know it's all about it, how you feel the music. Yeah, exactly. and that's why it's categorizing like 
saying all classical music is somehow genius. No, it's not. There's a lot of like totally trashy um, classical music. But do, do you and think... you can't categorize classical music as the one entity because it's like it's been written by thousands of composers over um, several centuries, and and there's so many styles and emotions in classical music. So it's, it's uh, I, I don't even like to talk about as the one entity called classical music. Yeah, there's so many different types of uh, of of any genre. So it's it's always funny how how that gets dissected into these little yeah. little boxes um <laughs> yes I've, i have one more question uh i don't know if you have an answer for me yes but uh you've been working uh on a new apocalyptica album as well um and one thing i read is that you had uh, some weeks of recording then some weeks yeah. uh, uh of doing other things and then going back to recording this way of working how is that uh what do you like that way of working and how has that affected the music I really like the, the we did this album, the apocalyptic album, in three parts, or the recordings mm -hmm. in three parts, and I really like it because it's it's pretty hard and exhausting to be eight weeks in a row in studio to do six days a week, sure. twelve fourteen hours every day. It's it's pretty drowning towards the end. So I think it was great that it was like okay, three weeks all in. Then we have a break, we get distance to the material of what we did, and we do other things, and then we come back and we, 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 are, we are able to elevate every every time. I like sometimes sometimes it's good to think do things that okay, we just do it, we just smash it out and we leave it. But mm. album, the full album is such a fucking uh insane amount of work. It's such sure. a huge thing to generate and and to work three months a row. It's it's a lot. It's a lot <laughs> to try to be intensely creative for such sure. a long time with no break. So I actually prefer nowadays. Maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> I prefer <laughs> I prefer the, to 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 work in in the way that there are. It's in the blocks that there is time to get breath, breathe and and mm. and. Um, kind of distance to the material and let the subconscious mind to do its own processes, you know, developing things and uh, uh, generating new ideas. In It feels like, um, especially, especially you personally, you, you always seem to be working on something, always new music for Apocalyptica or some other project or something. Uh, how do you relax and how do you make sure uh, the work-life balance stays healthy? Um... That, that's been a big back practice for me. You know, I, I quit alcohol like five years ago and then I started okay. to um, figure out, you know, how to do things in a more clever way. And it's I think it's a never-ending learning process. But to me, the key is that, that I, I've learned to manage myself pretty well. So I'm not getting stressed easily. In, in a way that how people kind of understand stress. Sure. Because I've understood that I need to do self-maintenance every day. So if I every day do something of my 
routines that I found are good for me, like, for example, doing yoga in the morning or meditating or doing micro meditations during the day that kind of I'm resetting myself. Mm. So I'm letting myself, not letting myself to uh, just, you know, start to swim in the shit. Uh, And then learning to prioritize what is, what is, um, what is the most important thing to do today and what is most urgent and, and kind of accepting that that I don't need to be available all the time and um, I I'm allowed to protect my own space. I think that, that those are the very very key things. And then also like learning to say no mm-hmm. to the things that are not actually deeply exciting for me. It's always like people ask, oh, could you come to play on this record? It's like, oh, yeah, it sounds great, blah, blah, blah. So I learned to take, say, first, uh, I don't know, let let me think about it. I take time out, then I check, okay, is this thing aligned or where I actually want to go or not? Mm. If it's not, then I'm like, no, it's I don't use my time and energy to do that because I'm focused on I want to go there. So I have become actually really <laughs> productive um like in august i released my book the All autobiography right. i also launched a, a jewelry brand right um i'm i'm doing a, a life coaching so I, I i work have my own business as a life coach i'm keeping i've just learned to do things so that i i don't let them overcome you know the priority of things is not colliding so right. i you know that okay this is most important thing to do so if i want to do coaching i can have only one or two clients mm-hmm. then it go, stays in the balance if i start to want to have more <laughs> clients then it starts to you know comes the battle that okay i should do this and that and that and it's too many things to do at the same time so it's a lot of practice of uh let me put it there in a nutshell the better we understand ourselves and the better we understand what we truly want in this life the easier it becomes to do the things that matter the most to us and that makes us very effective and productive also learning to ask for help Mm. that's a big thing understanding that we don't need to do everything alone but also also having having rest and and I mean it's very impressive to hear somebody like you say that because everybody knows how hard you work, but to to hear that you have this, uh, you figured out how to be efficient and to do it in a, in a healthy way is is very uh, um, inspiring. I think. Yeah, and a big thing is like to decide to do things joyfully. 